This podcast is presented by All Copy Products, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. Learn more at allcopyproducts.com. To the 15, to the 10, Murray's going to score, touchdown! Welcome to the Cardinals Red Sea Report. Slammed to the ground by Buda Baker. Like a torpedo, he came flying into the backfield. One-handed catch and a touchdown! DeAndre Hopkins! The Cardinals Red Sea Report is brought to you by Arizona Cardinals Podcast. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcast. Here we go. This is it. Caught by Kirk at the 20, at the 10. Touchdown. Oh, baby. How's that feel? Here's Craig Grealoux, Mike Jurecki, and three-time pro bowler Kyle Vandenbosch. The Arizona Cardinals remain unbeaten after beating the Houston Texans 31-5 Sunday afternoon from State Farm Stadium. It's the first time since 1974. The Cardinals have started a season with a 7-0 record. Welcome into the Cardinals Red Sea Report with Mike Jarecki and Kyle Vandebosch. I'm Danny Sarek filling in for Craig Relu. Houston is now 1-6. They haven't won a game since their season opener. They were clearly struggling going into that game. But you still have to give the Cardinals offense... And they, sorry, rather, they gave the Cardinals offense trouble early on, but Arizona managed to settle down and create some explosive plays and still get the the job done. And the Cardinals defense ended up completely shutting down Houston. Kyle, overall, what impressed you most about Sunday's win? Yeah, it's been a common theme in some of the games is just lapses uh, for short periods of time. But this team makes great in-game adjustments. Uh, usually, I mean, always writes the ship and finds a way. And it's usually a big play or two, um, either from Kyler Murray or a big play in this defense that that is the turnaround point in the game. Um, y- you know, the thing that's encouraging to me is over the last couple of years, it felt like if this offense early on gets behind the sticks, um, it's they can't get going on offense and that's exactly what happened with um, a, a couple of mistakes on the offensive line a missed block a bad snap and the game kind of starts off about as poorly as possible um, but they were able to you know fix it and make the adjustments and really um, a lot like some of the games where they struggled early this year dominate the second half you know i give uh, lovey smith a lot of credit because clearly you know they're just playing for pride right now they they, they get paid and and they came out and i thought both defenses controlled the tempo in that in that first quarter matter of fact the cardinals only had 13 yards they had 193 in the second quarter and you know josh jones is is moved inside and he, he got beat a few times but as kyle pointed out it really didn't affect him in the long run but you go against a team like the Green Bay Packers, you cannot start like that, and they know that. And and again, you know, Cliff was um, he was notified at 6:30 a.m. on Sunday, and all of a sudden, you know, he's get the he got the play sheet. And usually, when it comes to Kingsbury, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday are their install days, and that's where he gets an idea where he's going to try to attack uh, the other team. And you know, going into the Cleveland game, he was there all week. This time, it was more just waking up. So. A little, you know, they weren't on the same page. Kyler mentioned after the game, you know, when you're not out in the practice field, it's a little bit more difficult. So it should be much better coming up on Thursday night. There were 31 unanswered points. Fun fact, though, this was the first NFL game to ever end in a 31-5 score. Pretty crazy to think. Crazy. I think it was All like the, the it, it's something called scoregami, which I didn't realize till our yeah. account tweeted out. I think it was like the 1,000th 
68 yep. score outcome or something crazy like that. Uh, this was the sixth game with 30 or more points put up by this Cardinals offense. And while it wasn't always pretty, right, their first three possessions, punt, punt, safety, they found a way to get it done. But here's what Kyler Murray had to say post game about that slow start. No, I, w- I wasn't too concerned. It was, I don't know why, you know, maybe came out a little lax. Uh, I, you know, I, I can't really speak on it. I just know got to be better, you know, faster because, Get beat, you know. If you if you come out too slow, sometimes you, you may not be able to catch up. So, uh, for the most part, offensively, I think you know we we can be a lot better. Kyle, you were touching on it briefly a minute ago, but from your experience, what is the difficulty level of mentally not getting down on yourself if you are having a slow start to find a way to bounce back? It, it's really the makeup of the locker room. Um, some, you know, especially if it's a locker room made up of young players, they ride that roller coaster where if things go bad. Um, they get down, um, they you know hang their heads, and they get frustrated. Um, but this is a locker room with veteran leaderships, not only the veterans that have been on this team, um, but the veterans we brought in in the off season, and they've seen it all. They've played through it all. Um, they know that this is how games go. Um, you know, at different points in the game, um, and that's the you know that's probably one of the most encouraging things about this team is just the balance and the complementary football is when the offense is struggling which isn't often the defense steps up and the defense plays a shutdown type of defense and when the when the defense is struggling the offense is able to roll and be explosive and make plays um so that's that's what's been encouraging is um you know there it's not like it, you know the offense is carrying this team through all of these victories, the offense does struggle, but the defense has the ability to step up. Right, true complimentary football. Arizona did get their head coach, Cliff Kingsbury, back. You were mentioning it, Mike. He cleared protocols early Sunday morning after missing the Cleveland game. So he was virtual in practice (laughs) all week, and then he got to show up at the game. So it was completely vice versa from the week prior. And this team probably could have managed without him again based on what we saw against Cleveland. But you always want to get your head coach back. Everyone was very excited. I was on the sideline pregame, and... I can't even tell you how big his smile was when he ran out out of the tunnel onto the field. And it was the first time he met Zach Ertz. They've been texting, you know, back and forth, and, you know, that's the first time. And so, you know, it was just interesting. I'm sure he – I wish we had a GoPro at his house as he's running <laughs> around. Yes, I've been cleared. Uh, I, I got to think he was stir-crazy for those two weeks, and, and clearly he put the game plan together for Cleveland for the Texans, and now I'm sure he has a good idea going into the Packers game. Yeah, he was pretty excited. Here's what he had to say about getting back out there with his team. It just felt funky. I mean, I, usually I've called those plays over and over throughout the week. Kyler and I have had the dialogue. That was the first time we, you know, um, we'd even gone over them was, was out there. So it just didn't feel like the same type of rhythm, same type of comfort level. I just felt more on edge than I normally do after you know, six days of preparation. This offensive line didn't have their cleanest game, and that was a big part of some of the struggles early on. Kyler Murray was sacked four times for 36 yards, the most in a game this season of all weeks. Is it a little extra concerning, Mike, that Kyler was getting banged up pretty bad on a short week before hosting the Packers Thursday? Um, you know, obviously, I, I believe as, as long as he can stay upright, the Cardinals are going to go as far as Kyler Murray. Not not saying if you know he has to miss a game here and there. I think Colt McCoy is definitely a manageable backup quarterback. But 
again, I, I just give the Texans credit. I mean, uh, Lovey Smith had those guys ready to play. They were physical, and, um, you know, they got to clean things up. And I think, you know, eventually Rodney Hudson is going to come back. And now all of a sudden, who's the starting right guard? And it could be Justin Murray. It could be Josh Jones. It could be Max Garcia. Um, you also had some, you know, snaps that you want to see a little bit better. So the good news is after that first quarter, no issues. They were they were able to run the football. They were able to throw the ball down the field. They, they, they uh, you know, six different guys caught passes. So it was just that first quarter to where they had to make sure. And, and if you watch the game from a television standpoint, there were a lot of times that Kugler was over there with Kingsbury coming up with run plays and run protections, and that happened after the first quarter. Yep, and Kingsbury praised his quarterback's ability to create those opportunities after that slow start in the first quarter and find ways to get this team win even if they're not at their best. We, we didn't protect as well as we would have liked, but he, he uh, had a good look in his eye the entire game, kept stepping up and, and making plays and ran around and um, definitely some adverse conditions that he battled through, and I think that's just part of his progression. We've seen it uh, this year. When things aren't going great, he steps up and finds a way. 7-0. and these Arizona Cardinals and yet from some outsider national media still getting told that it's based on luck or based on teams that they're beating that maybe they're not that great even though the Cardinals aren't just beating teams they are dominating them someone from the national media Steve White with NFL Network did give some praise to this team though earlier in the week and here's what he had to say about the Arizona Cardinals after what this defense continues to do this might be the most balanced team in the NFL record aside the way that they are playing, and then adding a piece like Ertz to it, I think this Arizona team is built for the long haul because the offensive weapons, the schemes, and what Vance Joseph and that defense is doing. And people better start talking about Marcus Golden, the other outside linebacker, edge rusher. He is getting it done for defense that's loaded with talent. Kyle, is this a statement game for the Cardinals to silence the doubters? Uh, I don't know that they care inside that locker room about the doubters. If anything, when I played, I preferred people to discount us or um, not credit us for how good we were. Uh, but I think, um, yes, from a national perspective, um, you, you know, for people that don't get to see Cardinals games week in and week out, going against, uh, you know, Green Bay Packers, a storied franchise um, with – the reigning MVP at quarterback, um, this would be huge. This would be huge. And um, I agree with uh, everything Weiss said there. This is a balanced team on top of the things he said. Um, I think we should recognize the depth because we've had injuries and we've had people sit out for COVID. And that's a credit not only to Steve Kime and the players he has on this team, that's a credit to the coaches so that when players have to step in and pick up a role, uh, there's really no letdown, and that's been one of the most impressive things. You know, you lose a coach, you lose a player. It doesn't matter. It's, I mean, everybody says next man up, but there's typically a, a weakness, and there's a void at that position, and that hasn't happened with this team this year. Yeah, I mean, go back to the Tennessee game. Uh, you know, Cardinals dominated that game. They they go to Seattle the next week, and Derrick Henry has 160 yards, three touchdowns. Okay, they, they basically dominated the, the Rams game. They dominated the, the Browns game. And going into the season, the, the Titans were, you know, expected to make a run. The Browns were projected to get to the Super Bowl, which is, you know, obviously, you know, a goal for every team. 
and then the Rams. I mean, so they've played quality opponents, and it's not the Cardinals' fault that the Minnesota Vikings kicker missed the uh, the field goal. So, listen, uh, you know, every game's not going to be a blowout, uh, but, I, but I agree with Kyle and, and Steve Weish. This team is well-balanced, and the fact that they rep everything in practice and training camp, that's the reason why when they go to their second unit, uh, it's not a huge drop off, and so that's the, I, they got a great coaching staff. The, these coaches do a great job during the practice during the week. Kyle, is there some part like mentally of from this Cardinals team? You think, oh, we haven't lost a game. Maybe there's more pressure to to keep this going. I think it's the opposite. Um, I was in this situation with the Titans, and we started ten to zero, and it just felt like no matter what happened, we're going to win. We're going to find a way to win. Um, if we're down in the second half, if something happens in the first quarter, uh, we, we always figure it out. And we kind of had this same set of circumstances where other teams had things wrong with them or people hurt, and it doesn't matter. A win is a win. Red Sea, be sure to subscribe to Arizona Cardinals Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher. Listen to your favorite shows on the go like the Dave Pash Podcast, Cardinals Underground, Cardinals Cover 2, The Big Red Rage, and of course this show, the Cardinals Red Sea Report. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcast for more info. More Cardinals Red Sea Report coming up right here on the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. Receivers left, middle straight drop back. Gets hit by Marcus Golden and sacked at the 21. What a year Marcus Golden is having. And the Cardinals force a punt. There it is, the junkyard dog. Back the throw goes Mills, steps up, gets hit, and he fumbles the ball as he gets sacked at midfield. Marcus Golden chopped it out. It is Cardinal ball. Marcus Golden comes out of there with it, and he was the guy that forced the fumble as well. Wow, that is a beautiful play right there. Marcus Golden once again with another sack. Consecutive weeks, outside linebacker Marcus Golden has recorded two sacks and forced a fumble, and he recovered it this week against the Texans. Welcome back into the Cardinals Red Sea Report with Mike Jarecki and Kyle Vandenbosch. I'm Danny Sarek. Marcus Golden continues to be disruptive, especially with Chandler Jones, who's been out for those last two weeks. He's been elevated now, activated off the COVID list, but Golden's really been stepping up. Kyle, what do you think is his most valuable quality to this team? I think it's his energy. He's relentless. Um, you watch him. Um, he just brings it brings it every play and gives everything he has. I mean, he's the kind of player you always know what you have in him. Um, it's all-out effort, and that's really sums up, um, you know, his impact not only in these last couple of games. You know, when things are going aren't going great, there's a little adversity in the game. He's the kind of guy you can always count on. He's the kind of guy that's going to continue to bring it and lead some of the younger guys and show them that this is what it takes. It takes constant effort, play after play, in order to get the results that you want. Just like uh, you know, when Chandler Jones went down. Steve Kime didn't wait. He made the trade for Marcus Golden, gave up a six. Very similar to when Max Williams went down, didn't wait, brought in Zach Ertz. I mean, Golden's the only player in the NFL this season with at least six sacks and four forced fumbles. He leads the team in sacks, 
forced fumbles and fumble recoveries. So I think he's the glue of the defense. I eventually, Buda Baker, I believe he's the face of the defense. Obviously, you got Chandler, you got some other young guys like and Isaiah Simmons. But I, I think Mark Marcus Golden's the glue of this defense, and I couldn't agree more about the passion and the energy. And it's every day. It's on the practice field. It's in the locker room. I mean, you just watch this guy, um, you know, on the sidelines. I mean. The fact that everyone was so excited when Zach Ertz caught that touchdown. It was, again, this team is really close. You can see the bonding, and uh, they trust each other. So I'm a big Marcus Golden fan. Marcus Golden recovered the football at the bottom of that pile after the strip sack. And it's hard to see when you've got a big pile what's what's going on. Marcus came out with the ball with his helmet off as he was running (laughs) down the end zone. Kyle, what's the craziest thing? I'm not going to ask that you've done, but maybe that you know of someone who's done at the bottom of a pile. Uh, I I don't know. I I mean, I know guys have grabbed things that you shouldn't grab. Um, guys are pinching and scratching. Um, I was known as a as a guy that would just lay on top of people. I would lay on top of whoever I tackled until they peeled me off. And mostly, I got criticized for it. And I just said, I'm tired. This is. It was like I I needed that extra three four seconds before somebody peeled me off that pile to catch my breath. So. Um, it, it, uh, but there is some crazy stuff that happens. I think it's a lot more difficult to get away with it now with all the camera angles and, uh, things like that. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of a free for all under there. Here's how Golden knew he could get the ball on that strip sack on Davis Mills. I read it pretty good, man. I felt the, the, the tackle. I knew he was going to slide down because his eyes was looking inside. And once he went down, the tight end was coming back, but he wasn't coming as fast as he usually comes when it's a run play. So I, I knew I could get him in the inside with an inside step, and the quarterback was right there. And, of course, if I get to the quarterback, I'm trying to get that ball out. So we was able to get the ball out, and then I was able to recover it too. So that's a special one, man, when you get the sack and get the recovery. The Houston game was a year and a day since the Cardinals traded with the Giants to bring Marcus Golden back to this team. I'm not sure there's anyone on this team who loves being a Cardinal more than him. And I got a chance to talk with him after the game. And I just asked him, you know, what, what is it about this organization that holds such a special place in your heart? And he said, the best day of my life was the day this team drafted me. And the second best day was when they brought me back. And if that's not the kind of guy you want to build your team around on the field, but in the locker room and the culture they're trying to build, I mean, he's, he's the perfect guy you want on your defense. Yeah, absolutely, and and I understand that it, completely what he's saying. Honestly, as a player, you want to play for an organization that believes in you, and then you feel empowered. You feel like, yeah, they've got my back. They wanted me. They wanted me so much that they drafted me, but they wanted me so much that they went back and and got me and brought me back because they know my value. And so it gives you that little extra incentive to provide that value every day. Like, uh, you know, being the guy that brings energy at practice every day is exhausting. Even when the days you don't have it, you've got to because you know that's your role and you know that's, that's the type of player they brought you back to be. This was the sixth game the Cardinals have allowed 20 or fewer points. Not a single Houston possession reached the red zone. And the Cardinals haven't given up a touchdown since the Cleveland Hail Mary at the end of the first half. It's been dominant, it's been cohesive, and it's been different players making big plays out on the field. And that's something linebacker Isaiah Simmons credits to defensive coordinator Vance Joseph. These calls that he's given us, he's putting us in phenomenal position, you know, allowing our playmakers to to flourish and make the plays that they should be making. And, you know, that that's just great. Just being able to 
to let different players with different type of skill sets shine in this defense. Um, you see it all over. Vance, he's doing a great job. Um, we got to give all. We got to give our credit to him. I couldn't agree more. I mean, some of the you know when the Cardinals had to play Chase Whitaker and you know guys were out. Robert Alford, and Antonio Hamilton. I mean. Yeah, they used to play a lot of man-to-man. Now they're playing more zone. But every week it's a different game plan. He'll get he'll get more um, nickel and dime out there. And Kyle was the first one to mention this, how well this team tackles in the secondary. And I think now people are starting to notice Buddha and, and Jalen Thompson as probably one of the better tandems when it comes to tackling. And tackling is something they work on in practice. But um, I'm really impressed with Vance. I mean, every week it comes up with a different game plan, and this is going to probably be the you know the first quarterback to where um, you know nothing, nothing against Stafford and, and Ryan Tannehill, but Aaron Rodgers can make plays from inside and outside the pocket. So I'm curious to see uh, what kind of game plan he's going to come up with. And Isaiah Simmons, we always talk about a guy needs an entire off season, and you know obviously a couple you know preseason games, and they even had that this year. But Jordan Hicks out outplayed him in training camp. Isaiah Simmons, I mean, he's around the ball. He's physical. He's, his football IQ impresses me. Um, he could play four different positions. So sky's the limit for Isaiah Simmons. I, I, I really think, you know, he's a big part. Maybe we don't mention him like J.J. Watt and Chandler and Buddha. Um, but what they're doing defensively, it allows fans to move him around, and it creates mismatches for the other team. Something else that stood out recently with Vance Joseph and the media has been this team's ability to stop fourth down attempts. They have stopped 12 of their last 16. They've had to go up against the most attempts in the league because nobody wants to let Kyler Murray back on the field. Kyle, do you think at this point Arizona almost wants teams to go for it on fourth down because they just feel so confident know they can stop them? Yeah, based on the percentages, they should invite teams to do it because uh, you get those stops. It's a huge difference in field position um, had they decided to punt. And it keeps points off the board Have they had they decided to kick a long field goal. So, um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm thinking, well, obviously they're confident in their ability to get the stops. So uh, I'm sure they're telling teams to bring it on and go for it because we got your number. Well, Vance has made it very clear. Go for it. I got more. I got more tools in my box. What are you going to do? You're going to fourth and one. You're probably going to try to run it, or you're going to try to use the outside zone. He's like, he prefers that because he said I got more uh, options in my toolbox than then. It's amazing. The Cardinals um, in the in the in the fourth quarter um, overall, they've only you know since the season started, 97 points, five touchdowns, two field goals. In the second half, teams are only averaging 5.7 yards points per half and you got to go back to the San Francisco game and, and in the Rams game they got a late touchdown in garbage time so that obviously affects the numbers but in the fourth quarter they've only given up a touchdown and two field goals throughout the entire season fourth quarter that's incredible too I mean these guys are tired well, nonetheless I think it's a lot with the Cardinals have the lead and they could bleed the clock with James Conner you know but I do think teams are going for fourth down because of analytics but I also agree that they want to keep Kyler Murray on the sidelines right and I'm just curious as we kind of inch closer towards that halfway point real quick what what you think what part of this defense has improved the most or what is standing out to you most behind this success uh, well, there's a number of things. Um, I think on the back end, we're playing far better than anybody anticipated. Um, I, I mean, our guys are, are, have been tremendous in coverage. Um, our, our linebacking core, I mean, is, is playing about as good as we could have hoped for. And um, 
I mean, that includes the outside linebackers. And really, honestly, over the last two or three weeks, um, the, the big guys in the middle um, are playing much better and being more impactful and having a bigger impact on the game. Um, so, I mean, it's, it, it, I guess I'm on the fence because um, I, there is it really on this defense, and, and we talked about this, it's with Vance Joseph, it's his ability to make in-game adjustments because they, they will show weaknesses or they will give up a play, um, but it doesn't get repeated. It gets stopped and, you know, particularly um, struggles against the run game. You know, it happened throughout the course of the Minnesota game, but since then it showed up in spurts and, and we fix it. And it's it's just been tremendous his ability to adjust not only to how what his personnel does best, but to cater the defense to to his players and their availability and their abilities. You know, rush defense. Uh, you know, obviously, you know they've gone gone against some really good backs, but there's usually one or two drives in the game. But all of a sudden, when it comes to the second half, they're able to shut those teams down and they're scoring points. So teams got to play catch up. I mean, they're ranked first in a lot of different categories. Points allowed. You look at third downs. I mean, uh, fourth downs, fumble uh, recoveries. I mean, they're ranked number one in a lot of different categories, and it's not a fluke. They're doing it week in and week out. The Dave Pash Podcast episode 13 is available now featuring Suns GM James Jones. To catch up on past episodes, follow the Dave Pash Podcast via your preferred podcast provider. Get the latest updates via Twitter at PashPod. Coming up on the Cardinals Red Sea Report, we're breaking down the debut of the newest Arizona Cardinal tight end, Zach Ertz. He broke a career record and an NFL record, so not a bad first outing. Stay with us right here on the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. First down on the 47, drops back to throw, lobs it far side, Earth with the catch of the 30, loose to the 20, far side 15, 10, 5, touchdown, Zach Ertz, 47 yards, becomes the first player ever to have touchdown catches in consecutive games for two different teams. The newest member of the Cardinals may have just put this one out of reach. 23 to 5. Boy, that is a big time explosive play by the newest member of the Arizona Cardinals. First touchdown as a Cardinal in his first game as a Cardinal. Not bad for tight end Zach Ertz. You heard Dave Pash and Ron Wolfley on the call. A history breaking touchdown. Zach Ertz became the first NFL player to have receiving touchdowns in back to back weeks with different teams in the same season. He had a touchdown in his final game as a Philadelphia Eagle on the Thursday night before. And then, of course, 47-yard touchdown career long for him in his first game as an Arizona Cardinal. Welcome back in to the Cardinals Red Sea Report with Mike Jarecki, Kyle Vandenbosch. I'm Danny Sarek. Mike, did you expect Zach Hurts to come out of the gun that fast in this offense? Well, yes and no. Just from a standpoint, of when you're putting the game plan together, uh, the Texans struggled. They're the, they were ranked 31st covering tight ends. They gave up the most yards and most touchdowns. Now, a small sample. And we know that you know he obviously is a target in the passing game. So I thought that would be one of the key matchups going into that game just based on how they had a hard time covering the tight end. I didn't know how many numbers. Or I didn't think he'd get a 47-yarder because he kind of he got chipped coming out of that route, and then all of a sudden he's running down the field. But um, – yeah, I mean, you talk about a plug-and-play guy, and I mean, he's so thrilled to be here. And you know, obviously, you know, his teammates and staying with Justin Pugh and just working on the playbook. But I'm sure he's looking for Friday to kind of 
you know, settle down for a couple of days just because he's been, in, you know, going to Cleveland and obviously trying to learn the playbooks, you know, sitting with Kyler on the plane. But, yeah, I mean, it, this was a great trade for Steve Kime. And, and, and again, he's not a, he's not as durable when it comes to blocking, but you see the effort from him. He tries versus just be a matador and let the guy go around you. There's always the, – the teams are going to make a push, right? There's never going to be a year where a team's going to say, oh, you know, like, we're not off to a great start. You know, this is just not our year. We're not going to make a push. But as a player, when the front office makes a move like this, after Max Williams has that season-ending knee injury, to bring in Zach Ertz, Super Bowl champion, veteran, pro bowler, dual threat, as a player, what does that tell you, Kyle? You know, that how much does that tell you, I guess, the front office really believes – and sees where the season is going. Yeah, absolutely. It it shows that, you know, sometimes in the locker room, you're always all in, but to get that kind of feeling from your front office, like, yep, they believe in us. They believe we're that team. This is our year. Um, And to continually try to upgrade the roster and bring in real players, real players that can impact the outcome of games, um, it feels great in the locker room because, I, I, like you said, um, having played 12 years, I've been on both sides of it. There's years where we were all in. We were trying to make a push. It didn't matter what point of the season. We were trying to upgrade the roster. And then I've been where, you know, you're just like, we're just going to sit tight and see how this rolls out. And you, you feel like um, the front office is disconnected from um, the same goals that you have. But here it seems like, um, you know, they're getting every indication uh, from Steve Kime, um, from Mr. Bidwell, that, hey, we're going to give you all the resources you need to win it all this year. Here's what Ertz had to say about his Cardinals debut from the podium after Sunday's game. Winning football games is fun, and that's why I came here, to be a part of this culture, be a part of this environment, and just help any way I can. Obviously, the team has been rolling, and so I didn't want to come in here and um, kind of mess it up, so I'm glad we came out here and found a way to win the first one. Obviously, I still got a lot of things to um, improve on, uh, to clean up with Kyler, um, but overall, I thought it was a great way to start. Ertz finished with 66 receiving yards on three receptions in that touchdown. This is a team that has a pretty long history of not necessarily utilizing the tight end in the passing game as much. They were starting to do that more so with Max Williams, who is having a great season. Now you bring in Zach Ertz, who's an incredible dual threat, who can not only block, but really be a threat to you in the passing game. How do you expect them to utilize Ertz moving forward throughout the season, Mike? Well, I'm a big 11 personnel guy, and that's why I thought Max Williams, you know, really was a difference maker because he can block and then release. And, and Kyler, you know, he's, his numbers are much better from 11 to 19 yards, and he can throw that ball down the seam. And so, I mean, it, it, it's, it's a situation where you got so many weapons on the outside. you got the running game between the one-two punch with Edmonds and Connor. It's like, okay, who do you double? We're not seeing teams roll coverage on Hopkins now. So um, I think he's going to be a big part of the offense. If teams – right now it seems like um, tight ends and running backs, it's all about late linebackers and safeties. And I think that's the league has changed where if you see you got a matchup problem, then you throw the ball. But Kyler – uh, he trusts him. Uh, he catches the ball. Um, so I, I think he's, you know, again, I don't know how many targets he's going to get at each game, but if he's open and, you know, Kyler's not forcing it, he's going to get his touches and targets. It almost feels like an embarrassment of riches, the number of explosive offensive weapons this offense has. Ertz realized pretty quickly in his first game how much those weapons can affect his game. 
Yeah, I don't think I've ever seen as much green grass in the middle of the field as I have today. You know, there's just so much talent in the skill position players. DeAndre Hopkins, A.J. Green are your outside guys. The defense has to account for those guys each and every play. And so my job is to just always just uh, be in the middle of the field, be where I'm supposed to be when I'm supposed to be there, make Kyler's job easy. Carl is a former defensive end. If you're a defensive coordinator, how do you decide which area of this Cardinals offense to shift your priority to? You don't. Uh, I, I I actually had just written that down. Um, it, you know, when Kyler's two biggest plays this game, and, and Kyler and Dave Pash says it on the broadcast, like there's only one person on the planet that can make that play. Well, Kyler had two of them. The one was the pass on a rope to A.J. Green in between two defenders with his toes on the sideline. The other one was Kyler scrambling around for about eight seconds, hitting D-hop on the other sideline. So you think about the amount of green grass in between those two routes. Like, you've got two dynamic receivers on the outside, and then you have, like Zach Ertz said, all of this green grass in between. And that's where Christian Kirk um, makes his hay. That's where Rondell Moore um, gets his action. And, And when you have a tight end that can find those open spaces in a, in a zone, that's where Zach Ertz um, will get his opportunity. So there really is no way, um, you know, as a D coordinator, you, you got to pick your poison. you got to be like, okay, you know, what is our biggest threat? Um, so I guess you determine that. But at this point, with so many weapons, so many proven uh, receivers and so many guys that have stepped up um, at different points this year, um, it, it is just – there's just so many riches on this offense. You know, I was impressed with uh, Kyler going back to uh, Christian Kirk after he dropped that ball. And then A.J. Green, I mean, that, that this is a ball dropping the bucket. And I watched that play and replay, and A.J. Green's just running down the field. At the last second, he puts his arms up. Last second. So maybe the DB wasn't paying attention, but it was a great throw. And then he goes back to Kirk for the touchdown. And they've been together. They, you know, obviously, you know, going back to the college days, and they're they're really close. But I, not that he didn't have any trust in him, but I'm glad he went back to him because after the game he said, I want to make sure I got Kirk a touchdown today. The effect of not having these reliable weapons also really affects Kyler Murray because he's not having to run the ball as much. And that's what this organization wants. They don't want him having to rely on his legs as much as he has in the past. You want to keep him safe. And so the fact that he can extend plays and he has so many reliable players to either hand the ball off to or find down the field is helping his game as well. We've seen running back James Conner shut games down these last couple weeks in the fourth quarter, just running the ball down defense's throat, gritty, angry runs. We saw some Chase Edmonds in that role this week too, though. Chase Edmonds, to me, I mean, everyone was wondering, you know, can he carry the load? He was never going to be the bell cow. There's only a few bell cows in the NFL that carry the ball 25 times a game. Chase Edmonds is really good from the 20 to the 20, but now, uh, you know, based on last year, you know, Kyler wasn't under center. Uh, you know, Kendrick Drake wasn't hitting the hole. Chase, Chase Edmonds is a guy from the 20 to the 20, and he's also really effective in, in the passing game. But when you get the short yardage situation in the goal line, it's James Conner. And, and Chase doesn't have a touchdown this year, but he's averaging 84.1 yards per game. Again, rushing and, and receiving, so he's a big part of their offense, and I think they both complemented each other very well. Center Ronnie Hudson is still on IR with ribs and shoulder injury. Backup Max Garcia is now day-to-day. He's popped up on the injury report list with an Achilles injury. So I'm curious the confidence level, Kyle, in Sean Harlow if Max Garcia doesn't play Thursday. Uh, I, I've got ultimate confidence. I mean, and, and it's based on what's already happened this year, shuffling guys in, moving guys around. 
Um, it's the confidence in, in Coach Kugler and what he does with his players and how he gets them ready and how um, you know they come up with uh, different schemes week in and week out. Um, and it's just the confidence in the play calling with Cliff and, and Kyler, the way he's running this offense. He's seen the whole field. Um, you know, if there was one concern, my biggest concern coming out of this game, it was how much Kyler got hit. Um, he took more big hits this game than, than I can remember, and that needs to stop that. But that can be some offensive line. It can be receivers not recognizing the blitz. It can be Kyler holding on to the ball too long. Uh, but whatever they got to do to get that fixed, um, you know, that's – you know, really, the 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 only thing that can sidetrack this season from from what I see is is if something happens to Kyler Murray. Now, getting Hudson back will settle things down. And, and Josh Jones, I mean, he's shown flashes. Obviously, you know, Garcia it can play both guard and tackle. But it, it, getting Hudson back, do you think that will help a guy like Josh Jones where he's not feeling those pressures, just having him next to him, a, a kind of a sense of security? Yeah, absolutely. In, in a center that blocks well, um, he helps out both of his guards in a lot of protections. Every week, Kyler Murray makes at least one play that makes your jaw drop and wonder how on earth did he pull that off? We're going to talk about one of those plays and also look ahead to Thursday night's game against the Green Bay Packers in just over 48 hours. Not an easy task, preparing to face Aaron Rodgers and on a short week, no less. Episode 5 of Cardinals Folktales entitled The Coin That Didn't Flip premieres Wednesday on the Cardinals YouTube channel, youtube.com slash azcardinals. It's a look at the crazy 2015 NFC divisional game between the Cardinals and Packers that included a do-over on the overtime coin toss. You're listening to the Cardinals Red Sea Report on the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. Shotgun snap to Kyler Murray, drops back the throw. Standing in the pocket, now throws a deep ball near side in traffic. It's caught by A.J. Green at the five, and he's knocked out of bounds at the four-yard line. What a throw by Kyler Murray on third and 24. They pick up 42 yards. No way did that just happen. It was cover two, just trying to uh, see Kirk took the, the near safety. A.J., you know, told him to haul ass up the sideline just because, you know, put him in a bind and safety, he turned towards T-Kirk. So at that point, you know, I just uh, had to let it go and he, he made a great catch. Just an unbelievable throw by Kyla Murray to perfectly lay the ball between two defenders to find wide receiver A.J. Green along the sideline on third and long. Welcome back into the Cardinals Red Sea Report with Mike Jarecki and Kyle Vandenbosch. I'm Danny Sarek. Another week, another jaw-dropping play. Are you guys even surprised, though, when Kyler makes throws like that? No, I'm actually surprised um, early in the game he overthrew D-Hop wide open, open in the end zone. Those are the ones that surprise me. Like It's almost like you expect Kyler to throw the perfect pass where it can only get to his receiver and defenders don't have a shot at it. Um, you, you get real surprised, and it's happened a couple times on, on throws to D-Hop for touchdowns where you're like, man, how did he miss that throw? It's, it's almost like when it's easy for him, um, then, he, then he sails it or, or throws it in the dirt, but when it's a, a really tough throw, he puts it on a rope and puts it in the exact right spot. But what's refreshing to me is he's recognized defenses. I mean, he starts talking about where the safety was. And, and again, I mean, no Rodney Hudson in there. I think, you know, one of the things when they made the trade is he's going to help with the calls. But the game has slowed down for him. Um, obviously, you know, he he can recognize coverage. He's not you know, looking at one guy and then improvising. He's staying in the pocket, going through his progression. So that is a major, major advancement over the last couple of years. And, again, I thought we got a chance to see that in the first, uh, you know, first month of the season. And now it's carrying on to the uh, second month of the season. 
It's a short week, quick turnaround after Sunday's game against Houston before hosting the Green Bay Packers Thursday night from State Farm Stadium. Here's how Kyler Murray is approaching these next few days. I mean, I just think you just got to be ready. You got to prepare for him quick. I mean, everything's quicker. You know, I think whoever handles the week better, you know, usually tends to play a little bit better. So, you know, hopefully, hopefully, you know, we, we, we understand what the task at hand and we, we come ready to play on Thursday. Kyle, you've had a few weeks yourself, those short weeks getting ready. From your experience, what's physically or mentally the toughest part? when you've got a Sunday and a Thursday game? Yeah, it's the recovery. I mean, for the most part, it's all mental preparation this week. Um, you'll get some walkthroughs, possibly even jog-throughs, um, but they try to get you off your feet. Um, they try to get you to recover, and a Thursday game when I was 23 is far different than a Thursday game when I was in my 30s because, you know, when you're 23, you can bounce back by Wednesday like nothing happened, and when you're in your 30s, I remember – playing on you know thanksgiving games and you just don't have it you don't have that spring in your step um it's 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 you're willing yourself to get through that game and it's you can see it on both sidelines it's really difficult to bounce back and, and play in those thursday games but now the benefit is when you have that extra time after that game it's like an extra bye week and, and a couple of days off during the season feels like a week and and so if you know if we can Exactly like he said, it's all about which team prepares better and which team comes, you know, does the right things in these in this short amount of time. Um, but you know, again, just going back to the decisions and and the way this coaching staff has gotten this team ready for every other game, with you know the East Coast trips and all of that, um, I'm confident that uh, the Cardinals will do the right things this week to prepare. Kyle, being the the home team, clearly the best team is going to win on Thursday. Who plays the best? But being the road team, advantage. Yeah, it's definitely an advantage being a home team. Um, it's such a short week. I mean, it goes by so fast, and you don't have enough time. I mean, honestly, uh, depending on how you did advanced scouting and advanced prep, it's usually a pretty pared-down game plan. Um, and you miss extra – you know, I'm sure the Cardinals will have meeting time. I'm sure the Cardinals will have walkthroughs yet Thursday, and it'll be difficult for Green Bay to do those things when they're traveling on a Wednesday. Aaron Rodgers, Super Bowl MVP three-time NFL MVP. The list of accolades goes on and on. Head coach Cliff Kingsbury understands the challenge ahead of his team this week defending Aaron Rodgers. Uh, it's not fun, I'll tell you that much. I mean, you turn on the tape and watch the throws he's able to make and um, just the way he orchestrates that offense, getting him into the right plays, getting him into the right checks. Um, even when you have it covered, his off-schedule stuff is as good as anybody that's ever played. And So, yeah, it's, it's uh, some sleepless nights when you're watching that film. Kyle, you've played against Aaron Rodgers. What's the most problematic part of his game this Cardinals defense is going to have to prepare for? Uh, it's a lot of things. He's smart. Uh, we always struggled. He has, in my opinion, the best hard count in the NFL. He'll get you to jump off sides and then just take a deep shot, and we fell for it over and over and over. Um, he's He's got – he can put the ball anywhere. He's got one of the best uh, arms in the NFL. Um, and he he moves well. He still moves well in spite of his age. He he gets out of the pocket. He buys time for his receivers to get open. Uh, scrambles for first downs when necessary. I mean, I think he, um, you know, I know I saw one last week, but he probably has two or three rushing touchdowns this year because when everybody's covered and they're trying to go man on your receivers, um, nobody accounts for that quarterback. So um, it's it's a combination of things. But uh, I would say the the biggest threat is his arm strength and his intelligence. Yeah, and he, Aaron Rodgers mentioned uh, during his press conference that they actually put in a lot of stuff last week knowing that it was going to be a short week, and they didn't use it in that game. So he thinks there's going to be some carryover here. Now, no Devontae Adams. 
He's six and zero when Adams isn't on the field, averaging thirty four or thirty three points. So, who, who's the? I mean, clearly he's. We've seen the, the hell marys where he makes guys uh, household names. It doesn't really matter. Um, but obviously they're going to miss their number one receiver. Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, Alan Lazard is playing well. I don't know that he's a number one receiver. Um, and Aaron Jones, um, he's he can be, and it has shown that he is one of the best running backs in the NFL. So uh, the challenge will be not letting him get anything going early. Um, a lot like, you know, most defensive game plans, stop the run early and, and at least make them one-dimensional. I know you don't necessarily want the ball in in Aaron Rodgers hands but Aaron Jones can can wreck your game plan as well Green Bay's defensive coordinator Joe Barry also went on the COVID list from the Cardinals standpoint they're going to see the return of outside linebacker Chandler Jones defensive lineman Zach Allen who have missed the last two games defensive lineman Corey Peters has not been activated off the COVID list but Jones and Allen will be back this will be their first game in two weeks so Kyle, do you think that you can just go full in after practice, or you know, is there going to be some sort of snap count? You think on those two? They may feel better now than the, the players that played last week, so <laughs> they might have, they might be coming in with fresh legs, and, it, and it's at a good time. I mean, um, you know, in spite of how well our defense is playing, um, you know, you add a player like Chandler Jones back out on the field, and Zach Allen was playing his best football prior to being put on the COVID list. So, um, you know, those guys w- will be a huge boost to this defense. Six and one Packers going up against seven and zero Cardinals. Combined thirteen and one record. It'll be the best combined win percentage for a Thursday night game in October or later in the Super Bowl era since nineteen sixty six. It's going to be a great matchup, Mike. I'm surprised. Usually you get division games, but give the schedule makers a lot of credit. This is a great matchup. Probably the uh, biggest game thus far in the re- in the regular season. 7-0 Arizona Cardinals looking for their eighth straight win against the 6-1 Green Bay Packers led by Aaron Rodgers. It would be the first time ever this franchise would start a season 8-0. That's Thursday night from State Farm Stadium with a 5-20 kickoff. Cardinals Radio Network pregame kicks off at 1-30 starting with Cardinals Early Bird and we will have all your coverage leading up to kickoff. So be sure you start listening with us at 1-30 I got to give a special thanks to our senior broadcast manager and producer, Jim Omohundro, technical director, Jeff Darge. Guys, it's going to be a great game. Cardinals and Packers, 6-1-7-0. I feel good about this team continuing this win streak. Kyler Murray going to continue. Thanks for listening on the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. You've been listening to the Cardinals Red Sea Report. He got it. He's in. Touchdown. Buda Baker with the sack. Stripped the ball. Murray's going to score. Touchdown. Oh, baby. The Cardinals Red Sea Report is brought to you by the Arizona Cardinals mobile app. Visit azcardinals.com slash app. Touchdown. Cardinals win. This has been an exclusive presentation of the Arizona Cardinals football club. Oh.